Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of What's the Plan, Monterey. I'm Paul Wyant. I'm joined by the always great Mark Carbonero and, of course, the uh, the wonderful Dan Miller. Thank you <laughs> guys for Sometimes great. <laughs> sometimes, always wonderful, sometimes great. Um, yeah, guys, a lot lot went on last week. I did not make it to uh, San Diego, as I think I advertised in the last week's program, sadly. I got sick this week, so I'm still here oh. in beautiful, but the weather is beautiful. I got, I'm got i better, mostly better now, and uh, the, the weather today has just been uh, kind it's of... been spectacular. Yeah, it's spectacular. So it's a little little cooler, but mm-hmm. uh, very nice, very sunny and beautiful. So, uh, yeah, uh, do you guys have any updates to your uh, your, your goings on this week? Well, Dan, do you do anything exciting? I I got I got nothing. You got nothing. Mark <laughs> said Mark sounded like he was going to say something. Anyway. No, I was going to say that um, you know nothing personally going on, but I am still you know a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, but we talked about that. Uh, that vagrant, violent vagrant that made his way onto the campus of Pacific Grove High School and because he could just basically walk onto the campus. And I'm still pissed off about that. There was a great letter to the editor in the Pinecone today about the negligence and the incompetence of the school officials at Pacific Grove High and that somebody should be fired for this. And, you know, more I got to thinking about it, the angrier I became because, I mean, look, we... We know there have been school shootings in this country for a long time. And some of the most horrific ones, I mean, we can remember back to 2007, Sandy Hook School back east where, what, like 30-something kids, you know, elementary school kids were slaughtered by some numbnut with a rifle. And I'm not a gun grabber, okay? I'm an NRA guy. I believe in the Second Amendment. I'm not a member of the NRA, but, you know, I support them and their activities. That, you know... Notwithstanding that, what the hell is wrong with the people who run the schools around here, particularly in Pacific Grove, that what they haven't gotten the memo, that there's violence is, and there's always the possibility? My son went there. Yeah, isn't there's there a resource a re- officer? There's there? a resource officer. That's yeah. great. Okay. And yeah, she's her. she or he has to be able to get to the room wherever the activity But what I'm pissed off about is how does the guy get onto the campus in the first place? When you think about all the money the school district pisses away on different initiatives, DEI, wokeness, all sorts of changes to the curriculum, how about if they take like 10% or 20% of that money and fortify the few schools that they have in Pacific Grove to make it a lot more difficult for people who don't belong there to be able to get on the campus? I mean, what would be the harm in having a fence around the campus with gates, right, that are manned, or at least like, you know, hey, between when school's open and you're a visitor, you got to go to the visitor gate. That's the only way to get in. Otherwise, you're not getting in. And you would think that somewhere along the line, this would have been a priority for the school district because, you know, first and foremost, you send your kids to school And first and foremost, the school's responsibility is the security of your child, that nothing's going to happen to them while they're there. And to me, and I'm not a parent, I don't have kids, but it just angers me so much that there is such a lackadaisical attitude, particularly in this area, towards school security. Now, they do a much better job of school security in Salinas because they've had issues with gangs there for decades. And so the schools are pretty well secured and buttoned down. But here on the peninsula, 
you know, it's like open season. And you wonder what is wrong with these people that they can't put two and two together and come up with four. Well, I would say but, there's probably a good incentive for them to uh, to figure this out because the guy threatened to kill the principal. So the, the guy in charge of the school is is the one was specifically threatened to be killed by right. uh, by Riley well, what Elvin I think. Yeah. The the problem here, one of many. There's a school resource officer, but it's for whole four schools. Uh, I, you know, I take, I go to two schools every morning, taking my kids and I drive by a third. So, you know, I'm covering three out of four schools every day. And the school resource officer is at the high school or the middle school. And once in a while, you'll see the principal and some administration people at Robert Down Forest Grove. I don't know. Cause I don't go, go near it. I believe Forest Grove has a fence around it. Robert Down does have a fence around it. Uh, the middle school could easily be hardened a little bit more and be good. The high school's got a huge problem because it's spread out. It's and, wide open. Uh, yep. And it always has been. But again, like you were saying, Mark, about money, they've spent in the past, what, eight years, 10 years since Measure D uh, was passed and they got a bazillion dollars. Uh, they've spent over $7 million on the football stadium. They just, uh, they're spending money on DEI stuff that, you know, now there's a whole training thing they're going to do with teachers and they got to pass a test on cultural proficiency. And we have people now in the school district that uh, upper echelon people, and uh, in addition to Ralph Porras, that have left in droves. And what the feedback I'm getting from people, and again, feedback not there not on you know they're there kind of thing but what i'm being told is it's almost all because of the current leadership of the board especially the board president and at a recent meeting i believe it was i want to say october 16th but maybe it was november 16th uh i got the video somewhere and i'll forward it to you guys uh, Mandy Ackerman, and it's a public meeting, it's on YouTube, so I'll, I'll mention it. Mandy Ackerman, who is one of the most wonderful, and you don't hear me say this often, and maybe it's the kiss of death, but one of the most wonderful, receptive, and professional people I have ever worked with and interacted with in a school district, in the, in the city, in the county, in the state, you name it. Just top-notch. Literally at a meeting, says that she gets up in public comment and says she felt what they were trying to do. And she's an administrator. She was Paul uh, Ralph Porras's assistant. That says that uh, basically the bylaws of the board were trying to be hijacked by a couple of the members. Now, if you have somebody willing to put their whole life and and you know income and everything else on the line to get up and again a person i respect a whole lot and gets up and says that to the board in front of their face you know it's bad and people have left we've lost to my knowledge at least five people in the upper echelon of an of the uh school district administration and in the past year 
And I'm told it's because of this school board and everybody's sitting in their warm little houses, not paying attention. And pretty soon we're going to have an absolute mess on our case in the school district in Pacific Grove. It's going to make the city look like child's play. Oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of changes since my kids left school, but, uh, yeah, it's, well, it's up to you, Dan. You've got that. You're the only yeah. one, three of us with kids in school. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, but you live in the district, Paul. You could run for school board. Yeah, I, I would not get elected. But uh, based on this, Paul, all they'd have to do is uh, bring up past episodes of What's the Plan, Monterey, and then uh, <laughs> so, I don't know that that's not a plus. Yeah, exactly. I uh, well, you know that it does tie in a little bit. Uh, to another story from Pacific Grove, of course, is because uh, Kelly Nix was making, I don't know, making fun, maybe poking the, the police force of Pacific Grove for being kind of closed lips when it comes mm, to, identif yep. to identifying suspects because they were slow to identify that suspect, the guy who was going in and threatening the, the principal of Pacific Grove High School, and they are not currently uh, giving out the names of the suspects who were accused of um attempted murder at lover's point it sounds really to me it sounds like either a really great podcast you know like one of those murder mystery podcasts or or maybe a netflix show uh attempted murder at lover's point but uh do, do you guys know anything i do know kevin phillips uh helped sleuth it out a little bit by uh providing the what? uh the footage from the beach house that helped, I guess, identify some of the cars possibly, or he, wow. he wasn't really sure how it was used, yeah. but yeah. What, what I know is that, um, and I do know this, it's not conjecture. It's that the Pacific Grove police department is the least transparent police department. You'll go to find in this, in this country, probably certainly in this County. And, uh, back when she who shall not be named was accusing me of stuff, I found out there was a video of her going into the police department and accusing me of something. And it was on video. They refused, even though it was her accusing me, somebody accusing me of a crime, uh, refused to release that to me or allow me to see it. It's like, take us to court. Well, yeah, because you don't have to pay the court fees, do you? And uh, it hasn't changed and because that person left and we always thought it was that person who now is an assistant city manager, God help Avalon and down in Southern California, also known as Catalina Island, but beautiful and a nice song by the Beach Boys. Oh, yes. And I love <laughs> that place. But be that as it may, uh, the the Pacific Grove Police Department is so closed up about letting out any information whatsoever, and that comes from the top. And it's, it survived information officers leaving. Now there isn't e even an information officer. I think they have the one commander doing it. And by the way, get somebody to do spell check for you before you do those press releases. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just uh, unconscionable that somehow they think they're they have their own little fiefdom in which they can decide so the importance of this is i asked my brother who used to be the police chief in pacific grove also was the sheriff of monterey county and was also uh, a lieutenant in the salinas police department he said nowhere he has ever been has uh, not released names unless one it's a minor 
or two. It's an ongoing investigation in which it could possibly uh, hurt the investigation or getting the people. Now, that's not the case here. And I'm firmly convinced it's not the case. We're not going to see like four more people arrested in this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to hurt an ongoing investigation. I'll tell you what this usually is, because they did it with that guy that was working at the museum, if you remember this, that turned out to be the nephew or something, either the nephew or the son of a sitting judge. Yes. Uh, and that was held back. And so maybe that's the case this time. Maybe it's somebody of importance. Maybe it's somebody that, you know, they think they can turn some way something's hinkies going on there and because it's not like the other bad guys don't know who these guys are right so why can't the general public know because i'll tell you what if i go into a store or something and i see somebody that who's been named in a crime like this i'm gonna say ah wait a second maybe i don't want to come in this store anymore you know and so i i I don't get the non-release yeah, yeah I, I can't figure it out either because I believe Pacific Grove pulled over all the cars that were involved the night yeah. of the murder, yeah. or the night of the attempted murder. And so they would know at least the names of everybody who was possibly involved in this, I, I would think, you know, with pretty pretty good degree of certainty, I would think. Um, yep. And, and the witness or the guy who was the victim right. uh, would probably also know. He, he may yeah. Have, yeah. yeah. And, and no, but really, there's not a lot of details about the whole thing. I don't even know what happened, how they tried, tried right. to kill him. None of that stuff is there yet. And attempted murder is, you know, kind of a serious crime. Correct. You know, so we probably should be told a little more. But you know what's happened lately is PG's had a few of these things where they've referred him to DA and the DA throws them out because they're so weak. And it's almost like they're trying to make sure this doesn't happen again for some reason. And uh, so they don't have egg on their face one more time. But again, you know, uh, I'll say it flat out. I believe the chief needs to go. So, and, and that's based on a whole lot of things, not just, you know, Dan Miller, he's a misogynistic, uh, you know, uh, jerk or whatever. It's because I know police work. I watched my, both my brothers go, be policeman uh by uh the one closest to me that i just alluded to you know 30 years for goodness sake and getting as high as you can in monterey county and being very close to him and knowing a lot about it and this department is not being run correctly right now it's been a long time you know yep. since since it has it's kind of it kind of sad yep. because it's like it's almost like if everybody's just getting fired all the time because the you know, the city manager went, now we got the, the interim one, and, and there's all this talk about public comment for the new city manager, you know, to influence. By the way, I, I met uh, with the interim city manager the other day, mm-hmm. and a um, more professional, Yeah, I know you guys are going to fall out of your chairs, two, two accolades in one uh, podcast, <laughs> but uh, uh, professional took notes to, as to what I was telling you. He actually cared about what I was saying. Um, uh, actually, he's probably in some way, shape, or form going to take action on it. In fact, I know he's taking action on it. And uh, it was, it's something that needed to be resolved. And uh, he was very amicable and open 
as professional as they come, personable, uh, you know, I, everything I would want in a meeting with a uh, interim city manager who I'd never met before without having a position that mattered to him. Right. You know, I was basically a member of the community that had a concern, went in with some other members of the community and had a discussion with them. And it was very uh, fruitful and he had done his homework and knew what he was doing. And boy, that in this city has been rare, uh, <laughs> you know, for at least did five he, years now. Did so he, hopefully did he poke you that's in the, chest? the harbinger of things to come with a, a, a sitting oh. city manager, that things are going to get done and straightened out. I, I think they will. Uh, well, hopefully that's the search goes well. Cause that will probably take several months, but, uh, I made a, a pretty lame joke, uh, and I asked if he uh, poked you in the chest or threatened you in any way. But... <laughs> no, no, again, very, but by the way, I, I understand, I haven't read the pine cone yet, but I understand our former city manager has a new job. Did that make it into the pine yeah, cone? Yeah, it did. He's, he's apparently going to be working in some capacity for Cal-Am, but they haven't told yeah. us what that capacity he's, is. He's, he's a quote. My understanding is a, he's a quote consultant. So, mm -hmm. Uh, to Calam, should they happen by some slimmest of slim chance? Listen to this podcast. Before I was on the edge of public ownership, but if you think if Calam's judgment that Ben Harvey, who is basically fired from here and fired from his previous job as city manager, is your idea of a good person to hire for a consultant? As someone who hired him, helped hire him for the uh, um, city manager in Pacific Grove, some wise, very wealthy man told me one time, "You to call up a reference, you have one question. Would you hire him again? My answer about Ben Harvey is, I wouldn't, not only would I not hire him again, I would recommend nobody else ever hires him again. And that Cal-Am doesn't do their homework, doesn't see the writing on the wall, doesn't delve into just how badly, just read the articles in the Pinecone and the PG Press. You never would have hired this man to do anything, let alone be a consultant. Yeah, go send him to Pacific Grove and have him consult with them of what they think of water issues. This is the same guy that was in charge of the small water project that is now running in the red hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah, that's the guy I want consulting with the with Cal-Am. Sure, the guy that b helped build a project that I warned him about, warned him and warned him and warned him, and let it go, said he was going to look at it every inch of the way, make sure it didn't happen, paid a million dollars to a consultant who had never done anything like this project before. A million dollars, folks. And, and every single conjecture, and I, I was on the council at the time, and I looked at the guy when he was only up to $600,000. I said, we, in a public meeting, said, we need to get rid of you. You're throwing out figures that have no basis in fact. And I'll tell you right now, I'm willing to bet they don't come to fruition. That everything you're throwing at us is willful thinking wishful thinking, hoping that this will happen and be a panacea for the water problems of Pacific Grove. And I'm telling you right now, we need to cut you loose. Friggin' Ben Harvey gave him another 400 grand before they the project was done. We're cutting him loose. And guess what? Every one of his projections has been wrong.
and to the bad side. Right. So this is the guy Thanks that's going to work for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Cal Am. Thank you. Good, good. Great confidence builder. Right. Amazing. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I've lost my patience that's again. Okay. Hey, I was looking at the, <laughs> I was looking at the re- regional housing needs allocation, you know, chart, and we've talked about this a few times. And you know, in Monterey County, there is something like it's a it's a big number. Uh, Thirty three thousand homes is what the uh, state says that we need to build in Monterey County. And in the unincorporated parts of Monterey County, it's 3,300 homes. And I know that there are projects planned for Carmel Valley that really have a lot of people up in arms there. The one area that I have not heard of them planning any new housing or requiring that any be built there is in the Big Sur Valley, which I thought is kind of interesting. Thoughts on that? Uh Sam Farr uh, calling in favors would be my educated guess. <laughs> yeah, because doesn't he live up in Palo, Colorado? I I think he might be down farther <laughs> okay. than that. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, Colorado strikes me as a place where a uh, a congressman wouldn't live. That that looks more of like a off the grid. We we well, kind of live and let live in a, a very uh, you know kind of a but, but you know what way. if if you if you go way up in the canyon go you know. Um, there's old, it there's goes an old closed down state park, isn't there? Yeah. Like a state park that used to be there, but they closed it. Boucher's Gap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's, um, uh, you know, where it goes to like a, a pretty wide dirt road. And there's some mm-hmm. really majestic homes up along the ridgeline there. And if you really want to think about, you know, the, the heavy hitters calling in the shots, you know, calling in their favors and calling in their shots, it would be. In that little stretch, you know, that little pocket of poverty from yeah. Colorado down through Big Sur because, uh, you know, those and, – and actually justifiably, I mean, a, a lot of these housing numbers are stupid and a lot of the requirements of what they want done and where they want it done sound like it's more vengeful than anything else. Like, you know, let's let's make the rich po- people live next to poor people, you know, kind of thing. So we're going to put poor people in, in cities and places within the community where they can't afford – anything like for example you know what's the you know what kind of a brainless fart comes up with the idea that we ought to have uh, super low income housing in carmel well yeah. where where are they going to buy their daily needs and their goods and so forth they've they've got to get on the mst bus and drive out to what to seaside or marina where the discount stores are <laughs> how is that any good for anyone and the same thing if you made people you know live down in big sur how are they going to get anywhere so i i and the- what are the numbers for Pebble Beach? I've never heard that. I uh, think they're zero. Well, that's part of unincorporated <laughs> Monterey County. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but you know they have all their restrictions from their last allocation of homes. This is it. No more. Everything's right. open. You know, open plains. We're not tearing down well, any more trees. This is it. This is our limit. We're built out. Yeah. Well, sure, they're going to have to. It you is. Uh, it is. I think it's totally troubling because, like, well. Also, Big Sur is trying to limit the number of hotel rooms down there. So already right. they want to limit the the traffic and everything else. But I think, as Dan always says, like local communities should kind of get to determine their own fate. Mm-hmm. And the real cause of all this is is like CEQA and the Coastal Commission right. and all the, all the things. Well, like we know, because you take Salinas. Salinas is a great town. It's got by, you know, just empirical fact that the richest people in the county are in Salinas or at least make their money in Salinas right. and live like in Toro Park or right outside of Salinas. And 
some of the poorest people in the county are in somewhere along the Salinas Valley and it all works. And how, why does it work? Because there's not the, the massive restrictions on growth that there are over here. But if you want to have restrictions on the growth in Monterey and, and Pebble Beach and whatnot, that's up to the people who live in Monterey and Pebble Beach. You know, it's not up to Gavin Newsom or whoever else comes up with these these housing things. Uh, I just get a little bit pissed off when like they don't widen 68 to allow people freedom to move back and forth from Carmel to clean the houses for the rich people. But right. Well, and, and that's not even a, a question of building houses and stuff. It's just common sense that it would be nice to be able to move and safely between the, the two cities because so many people do. And you see how many problems there are on, are on those roads and cra crazy uh, chances people take passing people and stuff, uh, even more so in Carmel Valley. But, you know, uh, people are so afraid that if they make the road bigger, that means more constructions of, of homes. And I don't mm -hmm. know that it necessarily does. I think it's just, you know, yeah. a common sense kind of thing uh, but, to do. But to Mark's point, it's like if you build all, a bunch of housing in Big Sur or Carmel Valley and, and they're for low income people that those would be the worst places in the world to live if you didn't have a lot of money because your gas expenditure just oh, yeah. getting in and out of those places is huge. <laughs> there's no, I don't even know. There's no grocery store. I guess you can go to Rick Aldinger's place and get a burrito, but in Big Sur, I don't know where, I, you know, there's no, you gotta not a lot Carmel. of places. You have to. Yeah, you drive I mean, if you want to do any sort of grocery shopping, you, a lot of people in the Big Sur area they drive to the Safeway at the crossroads, or uh, there's I think a Lucky store at Carmel Rancho, and yeah. uh, and then there are people that go to Costco. You know, they go to Costco and they load up, and you know they do it like once a month, and then drive back down because it's a it's a big trip to go from there. Particularly, I I was out there a couple months ago talking to a guy who lived. Um, you know, way back up in the sticks in Palo, Colorado. And he said that once a month, you know, they, he gets his truck and he lives on a four wheel drive road only. And uh, they go, they go Costco and they get everything that they need. And by the way, uh, uh, here's another big fight that's going to be coming to that part of Monterey County, the Big Sur Valley. And that is uh, the issue of, of, uh, of cell phones and of internet, you know, Wi-Fi capability in the community. There are some people down there that want regular cell phone service like what we have in, in the cities where you can drive everywhere and use your phone. And then on the other hand, there's a fair number of people who say, no, we don't want good cell phone reception in Big Sur because, <laughs> you know, it's distracting to drivers. The roads are dangerous. Uh, you know, we don't need the kinds of externalities that affect people in other parts. And then, the, and then there's also this fear that if they make it too easy for people to live down there, more people are going to want to come down there. So I think that's going to be the next big fight down in that community is stopping the, the rate of technology to a degree in order to discourage say, uh, you know, people that, that want 24-7 yeah. cellular service on every square inch of their existence. You know, I had a, I had a thought about the, the housing mandate and, you know, like even, even the electric car by 2035 in California thing. It's like, well, maybe Tesla will actually come out with this $25,000 car possibly and maybe it'll work out. But I keep thinking that like you have the – what Democrats, typically Democrats do – 
is they have they have a dream about something the way they want reality to be and they never think of the practice and it just keeps running headlong into reality like even if everybody could afford an electric car there's no way our electric grid can, can come anywhere near close to handling the charging of those and the same thing is true with the housing it's like mm -hmm. if our housing supply is low who's building these houses and then all the practical issues we just talked about before it's much better to have to like solve problems from the other way is talk to the individuals and what problems they're having and then solve those on an individual level rather than these top down like i wish the world were this way and i know we're trying to solve global warming but i think it'll be interesting to see over the next 20 years how much teeth there is really in the glo global warming projections if they if they bear out and how much electric cars are really going to do mm -hmm. to save to save the world um I'm, I'm a little skeptical on all of it i'm not against any of it but uh it just it's just hard yeah, to watch because and again, as opposed to all the the coal power generating places, yeah, generating the electricity, and, you know, all over. Yeah. So you either got those and they're creating the pollution that hurts. Well, though, I guess if you put up enough clouds, we'll have global cooling because uh, the sun won't that's be right. reaching the, uh, well, the kind of like also very a, frustrating on, okay. a, on a global level, too, because the greatest reduction in carbon emissions is because we switch to natural gas. Uh, in America. So we've reduced our carbon emission by, I think it's like 30 or 40% over the last 20 years, just because the, the conversion from coal to natural gas is a much cleaner form of energy. And, and, but, but to your point, Dan is like, I don't know how California is going to make, you know, electricity if it's not using either coal or natural gas. Uh, yeah, in large it's, there's no common sense in government, no. you know, there just absolutely is not. I think so, I think they think oh we're going to just put a man on the moon and then we'll figure out how to do it because we're just going to proclaim this lofty goal and then we're so smart as human beings we'll just figure out how to do it. Yes, maybe. Hey guys, know. I'm Mark, I'm pa yeah. I'm paging through this 230 page uh, regional housing needs allocation plan, and this is from AMBAG, so it's the Association of Monterey Bay Area Governments, right. which includes Monterey, Santa Cruz, and San Benito counties. So. I was looking for, I was just paging through, you know, looking to see if uh, I could find how many homes that they want to force down, cram down the throats of people in Pebble Beach or Big Sur. And I ended up in the Santa Cruz County section. And this isn't a housing thing, but, you know, this is that old, you know, camel gets its nose under the tent. And then the next thing you know, the entire camel's in the tent. Um, it has to do with generators in, in the county. And now this is in Santa Cruz County. And Supervisor Manu Koenig, who represents the 1st District in Santa Cruz, and I don't know where that is, but um, new rules for generators approved. Basics of proposal, and this was approved, is to allow a 65 dBA limit, but you will be limited in operating your generator from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. <laughs> so if the, if the power is out and it's a cold windy <laughs> winter night by law you're supposed to turn your generator off at 10 o'clock at night and freeze um, yeah that's this is why u-haul ran out of trucks a couple years ago <laughs> <laughs> so this is in well, santa cruz why, county but who's to say that the dumbbells that sit on the monterey county board of supervisors aren't going to look at this and say me too we should do that yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's how it goes always, you know, it's they see someone else doing it. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, you know, but like Paul was just saying, and you all 700,000 net loss in two years in California. 
of population. 700,000 yeah. people yeah. left. So tell me why we need all these new houses. Yeah, I, we've, we've already sure. limited emissions right there with the 700,000 people. You know, Mark, you a, another example of what you're talking about, too, is freaking gas stoves. Like, I can't understand the logic. They keep going back to the well, like, oh, we'll just, we're going to eliminate uh, gas stoves. And I, what, why would you want to do that? Like, what, what is the real, I mean, is there a real benefit to electric stoves? People love their gas stoves. So why, I don't know why they keep thinking that we're going to save the globe by eliminating. You're going to save your lungs because they say that that blue flame on your Mm -hmm. stove in your house is poisoning you. Is it? Then it's going to kill you. And okay. give you all sorts of, of uh, respiratory issues. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of people who lived in homes their entire lives with gas stoves, and uh, they died of other things than respiratory issues. It, well, that that's me. I mean, I got a gla- gas stove, gas uh, dryer, a gas uh, uh, yeah, hot water heater. So the concept to me is that at some point in time um, that that – Again, people have to get common sense. What does common sense tell you, and how is that electricity generated? You know, this concept everybody has that hydroelectric power and wind power, and then you start looking at them, and whether they be whales or birds, wind power has killed more, damn near, well, not damn near as many because cats kill a whole lot of birds, but they've killed a heck of a lot of birds with, with wind power and possibly whales. Uh, from the sounds of the studies. So at some point in time, you got to look at cause and effect. What is it that we want? What's the end result we want? Like no animals and stuff so that we can have wind power. And and then you get hydroelectric, and then we have uh, water shortage in a year, and all of a sudden the turbines aren't working on the rivers. So, you know, it, it's just everything they do, is uh, knee-jerk reactions. There's no stepping back and saying, what does common sense tell you? I always wanted to start a a political party called the Common Sense Party. And uh, because the Republicans and Democrats, by and large, have none, you know. And and going forward, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens between all the indictables. Forget it. Get the and all the you know Hillary Clinton's uh, what was it unmentionables? No, it wasn't unmentionables. But uh, this concept now that we have Hunter Biden now that's been indicted, we're seeing who can pile up more indictments than uh, Donald Trump, and I think Hunter's a real good bet. And right. uh, I think our presidency is is in danger. And if even and I don't think people. Uh, people that just watch CNN. So last night there was this whole thing, and I know we don't do national very often, but I'm going to do this. Hunter Biden, la- you know, getting indicted yesterday, and it, top story on a lot of the, uh, you know, on the more what's called the more conservative channels like Fox and stuff. But you go to CNN or MSNBC, and they're talking about oh, in Israel today. They're talking about anything and everything other than Hunter Biden being indicted. You know, it's like, guys, this is kind of a big story because part of that indictment is he got this money from foreign people. And then what's been being claimed in which I've seen stuff that looks pretty credible that he was giving money out of the money he got from foreign entities to his dad. Yeah. And if that's true, if Joe Biden was getting 
had his little slush front fund from the Ukraine, from Russia. Did it, and there's facts out there, what seemingly facts that show he was doing stuff illegally in some of those countries, like cutting off funds to Ukraine before there was a war, uh, because and, and until they got fired, a guy that was investigating his son. Geez, we'll give you a billion dollars. Just fire the guy that's investigating my son and what he's and the company he works for in Ukraine. You know, this country is in is in really bad shape right now, and people better pay attention. Whether it's school boards, city councils, county, you know, you know, state, you name it, you better start paying attention. You know, the canary in the coal mine has keeled over. It's it's on, it's, you know, six inches under now. You know, it's, it, you got to start paying attention because you're not. The yeah. stupidity I hear at Pacific Grove Council meetings is just incredible. Just incredible. And these are all these transplants that, you know, work for Google from home and crap that just have no clue whatsoever about anything. And it's amazing how stupid the upper 1% is sometimes. It, it was basket of deplorables, Dan, by the way. Mm. Thank but you. I, Unmentionables. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's something else. I, uh, I, uh, agree. <laughs> I, I agree with a large portion of that, actually, Dan. It's, it's kind of funny to watch uh, our country uh, and uh, particularly like Joe Biden. I mean, they've known that he was corrupt. I mean, since the Hunter Biden laptop, these, this was more or less sure. known. It just all got kind of buried and called russian disinformation and things i uh i know you guys got to go pretty soon so i did want to just add one last thing to that and and that is um you know granted and accepted that uh there are a lot of problems with donald trump and people call him a threat to democracy uh you know that he's a proto hitler and that kind of thing and he may well be but you know at the same time you know, do, you cannot ignore the corruption of the current occupant of the White House and how the family has gotten so incredibly wealthy over the years on a senator's salary. I mean, if you yep. are living, if you are living on just a senator's salary, you're not benefiting from insider trading knowledge. You're not benefiting from bribes and everything like that. Uh, you should have a very modest lifestyle and be living in pretty much a, a regular suburban home. Because even though a senator makes like $200,000 a year, hey, by the time you pay taxes and you pay to maintain two residences, because you're probably paying for an apartment in Washington, D.C., which is expensive, and you're paying the mortgage on a home in whatever state you represent— there isn't a hell of a lot of money left from that uh, $200,000 salary. So how does someone get as filthy rich as Joe Biden has gotten, especially when he came from, a, as we know from him telling us, a working yeah. class background where they didn't have any money to begin with? Hello. You, you know what you should do, Mark, uh, Dan? I, I'll forward you guys this story, and I maybe I'll put it in the show notes, too. There's an Atlantic article. It is glorious. And I th I've talked about this on the podcast before. But it details the Biden family going back to like World War II and World War One, and some of the schemes that they his uh, ancestors came up to defraud the government. And uh, he he's directly related to a bunch of people who did all sorts of uh, like his I think it was his grandfather was convicted of of some malfeasance in World War II from war profiteering. It <laughs> had something to do with 
with uh, like the coating on ships or something like yeah, that. The, the lard anyway. eaters, <laughs> the lard eaters of the Biden family. That sounds <laughs> yeah. a little bit back like the in Kennedys 19- and uh, bootlegging. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I remember back in 1988 when he ran for president. He he made uh, you know uh, he was like proud of the fact that he said he came from a family of lard eaters. <laughs> you can well, look was, it up. I mean, if you remember in 1988, he he had to resign from that uh, presidential campaign in disgrace because plagiarism. He, yes, yeah, yeah, for plagiarism. He's a he's a venal, corrupt old man. I mean, there, yeah. there's and, no and other way to describe. If somebody looked him. under his bed, I bet you they'd find gold bars too. I, <laughs> a Democrat thing, I hear. He is. Oh man! But but you know what's funny? You'd find the golden ask, calf. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that uh, Donald Trump is not pure as a dripping snow, and he's, oh, a, he's no. also a, yeah. he said a lot of stupid stuff. But if when you hear someone like complain, I've done this to several people, and it's kind of a crack up. It's like you'll, you'll be complaining about like Biden's a venal, corrupt old man, and and you know oh, the old man part isn't that bad, but venal and corrupt is um, being an old man myself. Is uh, but Donald Trump, if you go, if they say, well, yeah, but look at everything Donald Trump did, and you're like, <laughs> name one thing. I, like one corrupt thing Donald Trump did as president. They'll like usually say, oh, Trump University or something like that. And it's like, well, I don't know a lot about Trump University and it was probably deplorable, but but in as a president, you know, he didn't do anything that like sell, sell the nation away like Joe Biden did. You know, you know, Trump University is bad or that stake thing that he had. I don't know. He had he had a couple of weird things before he was, you know, uh, president. But it, as a president, he just said a lot of stupid crap. I, I don't think he did uh, anything. He, that, yeah. I said at the beginning of his presidency, he has to get rid of the Twitter because the Twitter did more. His Twitter account did more to sink that guy and make him look like a bad guy than anything else he did, maybe up to January 6th. So, and the thing I find incredibly amusing is how many people, and I lost friendships over Trump, how many people were so vehement about Trump and his wrongdoing, and thank God he's finally indicted and stuff, and they don't say a word, uh, not a word, about Joe Biden and Hunter. Not a word. And it, it, is. it just is amazing the inconsistency and the hypocrisy that we can't treat both sides bad. If you're bad, you're bad. I don't care what your religion is, what your color is, what your political party is, whether you're part your hair or you got fake hair, whether you got plugs yeah. like Joe Biden. And none of it matters to me. If yeah, like, you're corrupt, you're corrupt. If you're I know, you know, you look at like George Santos. River, George, George you, Santos was corrupt. They got rid of him. It was like that. Exactly. And, who cares? You know, I, they more two days yeah. on in the public sector doing videos for people at two hundred bucks a crack than he did in a year at, uh, in the in the uh, House of Representatives. So he'll probably he'll probably be making them from prison. But oh well, better than license. <laughs> well, I, I hey, think you guys have to go, don't you? Yep, we got to run. So, right. thank you, Paul, tell everybody how to find the show. Oh, yeah. Go to whatstheplanmonterey.com or just call Mark's cell phone. But no, go <laughs> whatstheplanmonterey.com. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thank you very thank much. You. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye-bye.